You know, uh, speaking of storms coming in, electricity is important, isn't it? In Louisiana, in the summer, without electricity, it's 110 outside, and then it would be 110 in your house. So as I've been praying the last few days, I've been praying for safety, protection, and God, please take care of our electricity. You agree? <laughs> you know, and electricity is something I understand very little about. I think I know enough about it to not get hurt by it. But I, I sure enjoy it, don't you? I mean, your, everything from your toaster to your microwave to your icebox to your air conditioning uh, is uh, uh, impacted by electricity. And I'm thankful that there are people that understand a lot about it, aren't you, that know how. And, and I'd say it's, it's few people, uh, you know, r- relatively speaking, the billions of people in the world that really understand electricity, but I'm glad they do. You don't have to understand it to enjoy it, though, do you? Well, we're, we're going to look this evening again at the subject of the priest to the believer. If you were here last night, uh, last week, we hammered this, this wonderful belief. We're in a series called Beliefs Matter. We're going we're gonna to use a lot of scriptures tonight, but 1 Peter chapter 2 is going to be kind of our jumping off point where we were last week. And last week we looked at it, what does it mean to be a, a priest uh, of Jesus Christ? And it's such a great, great truth. Tonight, we're going to look at how it plays out in our church body, which is is a very, very important thing. And here's the difference with this and, let's say, electricity. You do need to understand these things. These are important because, uh, and you can understand them too. In fact, I would say as important as electricity is, the priest to the believer is far more important uh, eternally and how God will work in your life. But understanding how it works in our church is very, very important too. Let's do a quick review first of all. If you are a Christian, you're a priest. If you're a Christian, you're a priest. You were here last week. Again, we hammered that. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's, what's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God. He's talking to the church here. And he's talking to Christians in the church. Verse 9, but you are not like that, by talking about the world, for you are a chosen people. Christians are God's chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. To be a priest. Remember the, the, the fundamental issue we looked at last week. To be a priest, it means you have a soul that can interact with God. You have the right and access personally to God. Now, I tried to hit you with it last week. Do you realize how wonderful that is? As much at times as I wish as I was the only one who had access to God and you had to come to me to confess your sins and that, which would be power, wouldn't it, for me over you? But I don't have that. You've got access to God too. Isn't that wonderful? Man, it's absolutely wonderful. You know, the people who don't have access to God today are lost people and people in hell. And a lost person can turn to God and have access to Him right now. But you have it through Jesus Christ. Folks, you, how many of you have access to Donald Trump? Raise your hands. I have some suggestions I'm going to give you to give to him. If you were to go to the White House and try to walk in the Oval Office, how many of you would be hit with a stun gun? (laughs) You don't have access to him. I don't have access uh, to him. Did you know if you were in England 
and, and, and the, some of the royal family was coming, uh, walking down the street, and you're behind a, a barricade, you are not to reach out your hand to shake uh, the prince or the, uh, the, uh, the king or any of their hands. Did you know that? They will initiate whether they will shake your hand or not. You know, if I ever get a chance, that's what, hey, what's up? I'm going to do that. Just to, uh, to probably be, again, stun gunned by the, uh, the British uh, Secret Service or whatever. How wonderful is it that God sticks his hand out to us and all we got to do is grab it and we've got access 24-7. You may never be able to walk in the Oval Office, but you can walk into the Holy of Holies anytime you want to. That's what being a priest is about. Isn't that wonderful? It is absolutely wonderful. Now, let's answer this question tonight because it really is an important question. How does the priest to the believer play out in the church? Now, I'm going to tell you, this. if you're not a Christian, you stay with us because we're going to try to sell you on the goodness of Christ this evening, and hopefully you'll give your life to him. But this subject is for Christians, and it's, I would even say it's for people who are more on a maturity path, which I think you're here tonight. You're on a maturity path. But you do need to understand this. If you want to be who God's called you to be, being a part of a church and understanding how you uh, live and participate in church are huge things. How does this play out? Here's how uh, a lot of churches do it. The loudest voice controls the church. Or maybe the meanest person. How many of you ever seen any of that before? <laughs> sure you have. Or all it comes down to is a 51-49 vote and God has spoken, right? That's nonsense in a lot of churches, isn't it? Sure, sure it is. Dr. Jerry Sutton was a Baptist pastor for years and, a, and a, a great church historian. And Dr. Sutton said, the misunderstanding of how the priest to the believer is played out in the church has caused a lot of problems in churches. Because some people have interpreted the priest to the believer simply to mean I can vote just like you can vote. And you can't tell me what to do and I can't tell you what to do. And you can't tell me how to believe and I can't tell you how to believe. And I can do what I want to. Now that doesn't sound much like Jesus, does it? <laughs> but, but again, I want to ask, how many of you would say that you've seen that before? Come on. Just me? About four, yeah. Many of you have before. So this is a very important subject. Folks, remember, all beliefs fit into the context of the Bible. If one belief, if you hold a belief, and the beliefs matter because beliefs shape your behavior, if you hold a belief that doesn't mix and, and blend in with the rest of Scripture, you're, you're mistaken in how you are approaching that belief. Would, would you agree with me on that? So we have to understand this with some other beliefs, obviously, to make good sense of it. Let's begin with this. You're a priest, but Jesus is the head of the church. No argument there, correct? I know the old story, the man's the head of the household, but the woman's the neck, and the neck turns the head, right? That's probably the story in a whole lot of churches. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, listen to what it says. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fits all things everywhere with himself. Folks, the, the head is supposed to be in a healthy body. The head 
contains the brain. For some of us, it may be a small brain, but you have a brain. And the brain is supposed to direct the body. Would you agree with me on that? So Christ is the head of the church. Who's supposed to direct the church? It's not a trick question. Jesus Christ, right? Now, how many of you know what a constitutional monarchy is? Some of you do. We have a picture. Show us that picture of, uh, uh, I call him Chuckles. That's Prince Charles. Remember, don't stick your hand out if you see him around at the Peach Festival. Uh, you know, let him stick his hand out first. Prince Charles. Britain is a constitutional monarchy. What that means is they have a queen and they have a prince. And when they, eventually they will have a king. And it's neat, and it's sweet, and it's cute, and it's traditional, and it's warm and fuzzy, and it costs the the Brits millions of dollars every year to maintain their habits. (laughs) But you know what? When there's a time of crisis, they don't look to the king or the queen or the prince. They have a prime minister, and they have a parliament. Really, the the king and the queen, it's just kind of like a nice, cute thing. Folks, here's the problem in a lot of Christians' lives. Jesus is a constitutional monarchy in your life. Amen or uh uh-oh? Here's another problem. A lot of churches are constitutional monarchies. Jesus is our head until we don't like the direction Jesus has taken us in. You agree with me? A lot of churches, I'm afraid, are constitutional monarchies. That's not the way it should be. Listen, as a priest, I have access to God. My goodness, isn't that wonderful? But... And that's going to affect how I do things in the church. But Jesus is still the head of the church, right? Number two, the Bible is our book. The, the Bible is God's book for the church. It's the Bible is God's book for the church and for my life and your life. Here is a horrible misunderstanding of the priest to the believer. Thirty years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention was having some, some difficulties. One group was probably a little more liberal, and there's a more conservative group. The more conservative group ended up winning the argument. But here's what a guy who I would say was ultra-liberal said. But he quoted the priest to the believer. He said, if a Southern Baptist seminary professor wants to teach that the virgin birth never happened, as a priest, he has a right to do that. And I say, well, I would have a right to storm out of his classroom if he taught that. And thank goodness the leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention said, no, he does not. He gets paid by the Southern Baptist Convention, who is paid for and supported and who answers to the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the churches... Answer to Jesus Christ, who has given us a book who says the virgin birth is the real deal, and a professor can't claim priest to the believer and teach that garbage. You know what? You don't have the right to teach that in our Sunday school class either. You can believe what you want. You don't have the right to spew that in, in our church. See, the priest to the believer does not give us a right to do or say whatever we want to if we're following Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. No no wonder we don't read the Bible enough. Do you read what it does to you? (laughs) It takes you to the woodshed half the time, doesn't it? When it says God breathed it, you know what? God has never breathed an error, has he? 
God's word is absolutely perfect. So, folks, when, when we look at our church, yes, man, we are priests. We have access to God. But we are under, personally and corporately, under the headship of Jesus Christ. We are, we are bound by the Bible, aren't we? We may disagree on some of the things the Bible says, but we're bound by the Bible. Now, folks, here's what the Pharisees did. They took the Bible and they tightened it. We don't want to do that. And here's what liberals do. They take the Bible and they erase a bunch of stuff. We're not going to do that. Let's let the Bible be our book. Amen? We're priests, but we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. And, and the, the Bible is our book as individuals and as a church. Here's the third thing. God has given a leadership appointed for each church. There's leadership appointed for each church. Different positions, different roles, different functions. Now, I'm, I'm coming from this from a Baptist church perspective. We have been strong on the priest of the believer, which I'm very glad we have. We've misunderstood it sometimes. We become a free-for-all because the preacher can't tell me what to do because I'm a priest. And my Sunday school teacher can't tell me having leadership. My other ministers, well, they better not. I'm a priest. And you get into some silly foolishness there if you're not real careful. God has given leadership in the church. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. The, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. We're going to look at more gifts in just a moment. The, the role of a pastor is a, it's a spiritual gift. It's a, it's a role. It's a position. It's a, it's a servant leadership position in the church. Now, a lot of people, it's hard to preach on this. Someday when I retire, I want to be an interim. And being an interim, I can say anything I want, and it won't matter. You know, as far as you firing me, I guess. But it's hard for a preacher to get up and say that the pastors are supposed to be servant leaders in the church. But that's what the Bible says. How many of you, can we cut that out of the Bible? Good, we can't, can we? We just voted on it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.12, listen to what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. He's talking about the, the ministers. They work hard among you and are, give you spiritual guidance. In Hebrews 13.17, pretty strong passage. Obey your spiritual leaders, so do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them the reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow, that would certainly not benefit you. That's, a, that's every pastor's favorite verse. Did you know that? Every person is a priest. God has appointed some to shepherd the congregations. Now, we have a, a head shepherd, don't we? And then we have under shepherds. And if you, I don't know much about shepherds. I know a lot about working with cows and, 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 I, and even dogs. I can say I'm the master of my dog, but you know what? They sure live as the servant in my household. I mean, as, I'm the servant to them. And if you've ever worked with cows, and I'm sure it's the same way with sheep, you do a whole lot more for them than they do for you. So don't ever think the role of a shepherd is not the role of a bully or a dictator. It's a servant leader is what the Bible says. But God's given us this, and, and it's important, I think, when we understand the priest of the believer, we have different roles. And in a, in a church, a pastor and ministers are servant leaders, not dictators, but leaders. Think about this in the household. Now, Hillary Clinton would disagree with me. 
I'm sorry, uh, that slipped out, but kind of. The the Bible says, and I'm sure Melania Trump would probably disagree, the Bible says that the husband is to be the, the spiritual leader in the household, not the dictator, not the bully, but the spiritual leader, a gentle leader. And the wife is to be a, a sweet follower of her husband. Now, what if they're both saved, which you hope they are? They're both priests. They both have access to God. But you have different leadership roles. That makes sense. And see, it's, it's important to understand that in the church. A lot of times we've missed that. Here's the fourth thing. We have different spiritual gifts. This is a, such a neat thing. You have a spiritual gift. We all have spiritual gifts. But they're different gifts with different functions. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can brag about our spiritual gift. (laughs) So we can lord it over other people and say, I have this and you don't. No, so we can help each other. Verse 29 and 30, really good verses. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in an unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown language? And his answer is, of course not. Folks, you're a priest. That doesn't mean Wayne needs to let you sing a solo Sunday morning. Some of you, everybody ought to sing. I I watch when during the invitation, we sit here and do a we're not saying, sing. But you don't have the right to sing a solo without one of our worship guys giving you permission. Amen. How many of you are good at that? I'm real good with that because I've pastored country churches and it can be brutal. We're going to have a singing. I would always be sick that night. I'm teasing. Being a priest doesn't mean that you, you necessarily need to be teaching a Sunday school class or I'm a priest, so I should get to preach. No, we have different gifts. You have different gifts than I do. I have different gifts than you do. And nobody's gift's more important. What's more important, your ear or your eye? Well, I, I want them both, don't you? Uh, you know, some of you may be a heel, but you're a part of the body. Amen? You didn't get that, did you? Or did you get that? Okay. You know, I was just telling you that in Christian love. Okay, we're a priest, but we have different gifts. We have different gifts, and and that's important. Now, here's the fifth thing, and this is really an important thing. We're not all on the same spiritual level. Now, I need you to listen, not that you hadn't been listening, but if you you miss me on this, you're going to be mad at me, and I don't want you to be mad at me. We're not all on the same spiritual level. We have business meeting. Now, I didn't plan to preach this on a business meeting. I planned out these sermons last summer, so I I think God's timing is good, and we're not fixing to adjust our business meetings. Don't panic. But we've kind of missed it sometimes by thinking, especially it's more true, I think, in smaller churches. Everybody gets to vote, and everybody's vote's just as important. So you have a big vote, you bring in the nursery. And are you bring in the first and second graders? And if they've been baptized, they can vote. Ah, sometimes I'm not sure that's the best thing. What, what about different spiritual uh, levels? Well, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 It says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Isn't that awesome? And those people immediately became priests, didn't they? They they did. But did they have the spiritual knowledge and depth of Peter? No, they didn't. How are we on different spiritual levels? Here's a couple of really practical things. Physical age. 
physical age. We believe that a, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old can genuinely be born again. We really do believe that. It, it depends on how they've been brought up and their, their intelligence. You know, for me, it was 19. <laughs> for, for, for other people, it is six, seven years old, and that's great. But a six-year-old who knows Jesus Christ is a priest, aren't they? Is there probably a little different spiritual level in them and Mike Hilton, who's 94 and has been a Christian for, since World War I? Yeah. Probably. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to uh, lift you up on a pedestal on that, brother. Spiritual maturity is another issue. Dr. Andy's sitting out here. He didn't know I was going to use him as an illustration. Dr. Andy has a doctor's degree. That's why we call him hence Dr. Andy (laughs) in psychology. He's got a master's degree in theology. Andy's been a Christian uh, for, for many moons, too. We baptize an eight-year-old this week at the lake. Wouldn't that be great? And that eight-year-old immediately has access to God. They don't have the same spiritual maturity as Andy. Would you agree with me? Sunday morning at 11, we baptized McKenna Brown. It was so sweet, and uh, she was up here, and and, uh, Ed baptized her, and Joe was in the water with her, and and, uh, McKenna has given her life to Christ. She's six years old. You know, McKenna has access to God, doesn't she? Isn't that wonderful? Joe's birthday's on July the 15th. Write that down. He wanted me to remind you of that. Joe's going to be 29 on that day. I think maybe it's 49. McKenna and Joe are both priests, but they're not on the same level. We'd be silly to think that, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? I mean, biological age, spiritual maturity, uh, education, that there's difference in our priesthoods, what I'm telling you, not in our access, but sometimes in churches we have not understood that properly. Now, let me give you something. This is tough. We're not all equal in our walk with God. We can be. This is the big choice thing here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 3, listen to what it says. These tough words. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would talk to spiritual people. Paul's writing this, by the way, from a distance. (laughs) I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. Verse 2, and I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't this prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? you know what Paul was saying there? Man. Paul was saying, listen, he wasn't saying these people weren't saved. He was just saying these are saved people who are spiritually immature. People who aren't seeking God and having the, the, the mind of God. Now, this quote's not original with me. We're going to share with you a quote. We all have equal access to God, but we're not all equal in our pursuit of God. Christians have equal access to God, but we are not all equal in our pursuit of God. Friend, that priesthood, the believer, especially as a family comes together, as a church comes together, is only as good as the people who are seeking God. Now, the cool thing is we can all seek God. We can all seek God. We can all make decisions based on uh, what we truly believe the Lord is leading us to do. But the priesthood of the believer, when a church comes together, is not good if we're not seeking God. 
This is where you can jump your game up tonight. I can jump my game up. We can all pursue God, can't we? How many of you, don't point at anybody, but if you had a real, some, some real needs and you needed some spiritual guidance, how many of you know four or five people you'd go to? How many of you know four or five Christians who you wouldn't? It's a pursuit thing there, isn't it? If they're truly believers. Let me tell you how this plays out in the church in a beautiful way. It's played out here in a beautiful way. But in 1995, I was pastoring the church where I met Cindy, Millican Baptist Church. It was a great church, great people. But they had had a history of bad business meetings through the years. A lot of small churches have bad business meetings. That's part of the reason they stay small. Who wants to come to church and fight? Amen? Thank you. We're getting ready to purchase land. We desperately needed to purchase land. They hadn't purchased land in 90 years. It's a big deal. I'm 30. I'm fired up. I know God's telling us to do it. We need to do it. Why are we hesitating? Let's purchase the land. Not everyone saw it my way. (laughs) We had too much of strange business meetings. And here's what I told you. We're going to vote the next month. Everybody agreed to. It's probably about 75 or 80. I said, I want you to go home this next month and pray a minimum of 30 minutes about this and listen to God. Then when we come back next month to vote on this, I'm going to ask everybody, because they've been telling me, oh, people are going to bring in people who hadn't been to church in 10 years that are still members to vote. See, that's the corruption of the priesthood of the believer. They're going to bring them in. They're going to vote. They're going to vote against it. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sign it. We're not going to, you're going to have to sign it, but you're going to, you're going to get a piece of paper that says, I prayed for 30 minutes about this this last month. Check. The last two months, I have been active in this church. I give my money to this church. And now I'm going to vote yes or no whether we buy this property. You know what the vote was? Secret ballot vote, 100% to buy the property. You know what that is? That's the priesthood of the believer playing out in a beautiful way. You see, when enough of us, may not be all of us, but when enough of us will seek God, be open to what God says. You know what? As a church, because that's the way we make decisions. I do believe this church follows its pastoral leadership, but we make big decisions as a church body. It's only as good as us seeking God. So here's what I want to ask you to do this evening. If you're a Christian, man, are you maximizing your access to God? How terrible someday to stand before God and and know you're going to get into heaven, but God says, you know what? I had so much for you. You just didn't have any time for me. (laughs) Wow. Are you maximizing that? As a Christian for our church, will you be somebody who will be who you need to be for Jesus and seek God so your priesthood in this church can help us be who we're supposed to be. I want you to make that commitment where you're standing or at the altar. Maybe you'd like to join the church tonight. We would love for you to, and you can join. You can join after church, or you can come when we give the invitation. I've laid out who I think we are and who we want to be. If that's who you want to be, man, we need you. (laughs) Come and join us. And, And if you're not a Christian, here's the coolest thing, too good to be true thing. You can leave here tonight on your way to heaven and a priest. You can't buy that, can you? 
You come and give your life to Jesus tonight if you never have. Let's stand, and as we sing, you respond. We'll be waiting on you.